You're listening to the Evans Family Law Corporation podcast. I'm Richard Pollock, an associate at Evans Family Law Corporation, and I'm joined by Greg Evans, principal at Evans Family Law Corporation. And today, we're going to talk about cohabitation and prenuptial agreements. And Greg, my first question for you today is, what are cohabitation and prenuptial agreements? Thanks, Richard. Cohabitation, prenuptial, and spousal agreements are special agreements. We use them when two people are wanting to determine what will happen with respect to issues of division of property or issues of spousal support upon the death of either of the parties or upon their separation. They are, in fact, an agreement that says we're not going to have the law apply to the division of our assets or to the issue of spousal support. There's a cohabitation agreement, a prenuptial agreement, and a spousal agreement. A cohabitation agreement is an agreement between two cohabiting individuals. A prenuptial agreement is an agreement that is signed prior to two people getting married. And a spousal agreement is an agreement that's signed after two people are married. It's a binding contract, and as such, it requires the three fundamental elements of a contract. You need to have full financial disclosure, you need to have independent legal advice, and the contract has to be fairly negotiated. Basically, the concept is you need to know what you're contracting out of. It's an interesting contract in the sense that you're hoping to predict what will happen in the future, as opposed to a contract like a separation agreement, which is looking backwards and and helping people to resolve something that's already happened. What are the types of purposes, Greg, of somebody coming to the firm, for example, to Evans Family Law Corporation for such an agreement? These kinds of agreements allow couples to achieve certainty in the event of their separation or their death. One group of people is couples who are starting out, and one person has significantly more assets than the other individual, and they want those assets to be dealt with in a way that's outside of what the law currently provides. Another group would be people who have business interests that they want to protect. Often we will get individuals who are part of a family business, and the family business requires their interest to be unfettered so that the family business can do tax planning. A final group I see quite often are people who are entering into a second relationship. They often want to have certainty with respect to how their assets are going to be dealt with and certainty with respect to the issue of spousal support. Greg, why would somebody want a cohabitation, prenuptial, or spousal agreement? Couples want these kinds of agreements so that there's certainty upon separation or upon death. Sometimes an individual has already gone through a separation that was difficult and uh, doesn't want to go through the uncertainty that um, resolving that kind of issue might happen again in the, in the future. It's also a vehicle for couples to do estate planning. So for example, if you're entering into a second marriage and and both of you have children from uh, your first marriages, you probably don't want your assets to go to your new partner, your new spouse's children. The only way to do that 
is to determine by contract specifically what your assets are and what is to happen with your assets upon the death of either one of you. So it allows you to ensure that, that your estate goes to your children and your, your partner's estate goes to his or her children. What is the process, Greg, of reaching an agreement? I often refer to these agreements as the I love you but agreements. Um, there's, a, there's often a great deal of emotion uh, attached to these agreements. People are in love, they're starting a new relationship, and they're being asked to enter into contract. And that can sometimes be um, scary, and it can sometimes be perplexing for the person who's being asked to enter into the, the contract. So in my view, it's always best for these agreements to be uh, constructed from the bottom up. Um, the best agreements, in my view, are agreements where both people have lawyers who are interested in uh, developing an agreement that meets both of the people's needs. Um, they're best negotiated in a room altogether, as opposed to letters between lawyers. Um, they're best negotiated when you have an interest-based negotiation, and, and uh, often we, we use collaborative law principles when we're developing these kinds of agreements. Thanks, Greg, and thanks for listening to the Evans Family Law Corporation podcast. For more information and for more podcasts, please visit our website at evansfamilylaw.ca.